Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Indeed you are. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Winchester Radio. It's going to be a two-for-one, <laughs> because two out of three of us um, were out of town last weekend, so we did not have a podcast, but we are all back tonight. Uh, actually, Vinny was gone the weekend before that. So we have all of us tonight, me, Susan, Becky, and Vinny. Um, we're going to talk about two episodes, 11.5 and 11.6, Thin Lizzy and Our Little World. Um, both good episodes. I enjoyed both of them. I thought, um, um, was someone going to say something? Did I do something? I was going to say, um, my theory from a couple of weeks ago when we first said that we weren't going to be able to do last week, my theory was right. I didn't, wasn't able to say my theory because it would have technically been a spoiler if I had been right and I was right. Okay. Comic-Con. At Comic-Con, Andrew Dobb had said they were going to do the first time they'd ever done, like, a sort of two-parter. Mm-hmm. And I had a feeling it was going to be these two episodes, because it was the only two episodes that that would have fit. And I was right. Mm-hmm. So that it did work out. Well, go be. <laughs> I just like being right. <laughs> Yay, Vinny. Yay. I like pointing it out. That's all. <clears throat> just kidding. I'm, I'm being totally sarcastic for anyone who's listening. I'm usually wrong about things. <laughs> um, well, I feel dumb because I, like, didn't even really notice it was a two, like an official two-parter. And I was like, when, it, when, when our little world He didn't really like, say really? Was... they're still in Fall River? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he didn't man. technically say it was a two-parter. What they were going to do is that it was going to be the first time where you had an episode pick up uh, as a separate as a okay. separate episode where the boys haven't left. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I saw it. Falls River on the screen. I was like, was it that where they were last week? <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I was like, really? <laughs> and yeah, they're talking about it, and it makes sense. And then you know, I saw. I feel bad about Lynn. I liked Lynn. Even even that, with yeah. Lynn. I, I love Lynn. I don't I know. That was the thing I was the most upset about in our little world. I was like, seriously, you killed Lynn? Oh, I loved him. <laughs> it was the first time in years that they've introduced a character that I genuinely, genuinely liked from the jump. Mhm. And then he didn't make it to the second episode. And I was like, Wait, no. <laughs> I know, I didn't even get a death scene, you know, didn't even get any get the, the, the demon assassin guy from I our know, little world. So didn't even No, we didn't see it was like, Oh well, there's one he's in a body bag, you'll just have to trust us that <laughs> he's in there and he's, he's such a like, sweet oh, soulless sweet. guy. He was, he was very for soul with me. <laughs> yeah. Well and that's and one that thing episode. I really, really did like about that episode is that it talked about because we had discussed when uh, Jenna, was Jenna. that her name? Yeah. When she killed her grandmother, we had discussed, like, what do you guys think? Is it just because it's something that's always in you or is it something that clicks mm-hmm. on with, with a soullessness? And we had all three agreed that obviously she harbored animosity. Mm-hmm. And so this, you know, validated our theory. So, hey, I was right twice. Check it out. <laughs> Never going to happen I know. again. I love that it showed last week, you know, 
um, Len, you know, he was soulless, and he wasn't going around killing people. He was just trying to act, you know, trying to be normal again. Whereas the babysitter, she was soulless, and boom, she starts killing people. So well, I mm-hmm. like to know how we got to see the killing people. I like that they did that weird, that balance of Leonard had a really, what he considered a good life with no, like, trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just, mm-hmm. and, she, and so yeah. without, without a soul, he lost his passion. He just didn't care about things. And I like that yep. mm-hmm. it kind of harkened back to Sam, like when Dean would tell Sam, you know, empathy, Sam. And Sam knew the definition of empathy and tried to in- implement it. And the way that they did soullessness with Sam was that just he didn't he didn't want to deal with a runaround. If you were in the way, you're in the way, and I'm going to go through you. Mm-hmm. And I like that they harkened back to that. You know, you have Sam saying, well, yeah, you know, I, that's not how I was. And you know mm-hmm. they had the they had the mention of Jenna, and mm-hmm. then having Len just be like, "I just don't care, and I know that I'm supposed to, and I remember all the things that I used to do and how I acted, but I just it's just not in me anymore." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then I really good. he killed, and he and he didn't care, and he but he knew like he should have cared, and that's. That's when he said, you know, I'll do it again, so you need to stop me, you know. And, yeah. and he said, I matter of fact rash- about it. Was. And I liked how rational he was because, again, it harkened back to Sam, that Sam was just, mm-hmm. Sam Solis was so rational. But because his upbringing was a certain way, being raised by John and Dean to be a hunter, his rationale was, you know, so much more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Versus Len, and then, and Len was you know, softer his whole life, but his rationale was still, I'm aware that if something, like he says, he kind of knew that theoretically Dean would be a, a friend, Sam and Dean would, were technically friends in his head. And mm-hmm. so the, his, brain, his brain said protect them versus Sydney because I don't care about Sydney but where the real Len would have probably just, like, spazzed out and gone, like, oh, no, I don't know what to do. Ah. He was like, well, no, logically, if I kill her, she can't kill them. Done. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. I have to give Nancy Wong so much credit for this being her first episode. It was probably mm-hmm. the, episode, the episode I've enjoyed the most probably since about this time last year, which... Mm. uh I think the last episode I genuinely enjoyed this much was um Ask Jeeves. Like, huh? Ask Jeeves. Castees, what's that? What? Ask, ask Jeeves. Oh, yes. Ask oh, Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I heard I heard Cass too. I heard Cass. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you even saying? Yes, Ask Steve. Ask Steve was probably yes. the last episode Ask- that, that I enjoyed this much. Although I have to say mm-hmm. I enjoyed them in very different ways. But, yeah, genuinely, I haven't enjoyed a, an episode as much for a whole year. Mm. So, One thing I, I, I was I mean, disappointed in, one thing I was disappointed in with this but probably the only thing really that I was disappointed in with Thin Lizzie was that it, you know, it's you know, you think it's going to be all about Lizzie Borden and it's not. And yeah, so, yeah, 
it was a good twist, you know, making it, you know, look like it's going to be her, but then it's not. Because I really love this, this the Lizzie Borden story. You know, I, you know, I watch all the Lizzie Borden stuff. Well, now I'm on. a little alarmed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, shut up! You know what I mean? You know, you you learn that you learn that rhyme. Yeah, you learn that rhyme yeah. so young. And so yeah. when you learn it and then you kind of, you get to this age at about like nine, ten, where you kind of really figure out what you're saying and going, whoa, hey. Mm-hmm. And then you get curious about the story. And, and so I there think was that this... like most girls kind of get sucked into the Lizzie Borden legend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was this, there was a great show on Lifetime last year, which I don't think it's been, it was brought back, so it's probably canceled. But totally not accurate at all. Uh, but it was Lizzie Borden, uh, and Christina Ricci played Lizzie Borden, and it was so good. And she was killing people all the time on that show. And I just, you know, the Lizzie Borden stories always fascinated me, and then with it turning out not to be Lizzie's, it was disappointing. Oh. Yeah, I will say but I, I will say that, you know, after about 15 minutes, you kind of forget that that was, that was the intro to it. And I... I'm I'm of two feelings on it. On one hand, I thought it was a really good twist. I thought that was really well done. On the other hand, like now we've wasted, like air quote, wasted the Lizzie Borden legend. Exactly, right. So like we can, like theoretically, we can never have the Lizzie Borden ghost episode, like an actual Lizzie Borden ghost episode. Mm. Um, Yeah, because the house is just a big fake according to the show. Right. So, I mean, unless they, I don't know, they would have, I, I guess obviously they're just never going to do it. I'm just fine because we went, you know, ten and a half years without ever having it. I'll survive. But. <laughs> I, I guess they could have her, you know, if that hatchet was the real hatchet, they could say she's attached to the hatchet maybe or something. Yeah, but they, it would have to be quite convoluted, and I get irritated when, when especially this show gets really, like, Wow, did you stretch to make that work? So right. in, a way, in a way, I don't want them to do that. But so, like I said, I'm of two. I'm of two minds on it. On one hand, fantastic twist. On the other hand, and I like that it was it, like the fact that we don't have like it wasn't actually Lizzie Borden, but in reality, it wasn't really the people. It was Amara's doing because Amara sucked their souls. So. And Len did kill Sydney with a hatchet as well. So, and Sydney killed him with a uh, the babysitter killed him with a hatchet. Yeah, so there were still hatchet killings, and they were still technically the the doing of a little girl. So in a way, it kind of mm-hmm. was, and it wasn't. So I thought it was really well done. I will be completely honest. I really liked the way it was done. Just kind of bummed to lose like a legend that I really dig. I was impressed that they. I don't know. I don't know how the legalities in it. If it's so, been so long um, that you don't have to get permission from the estate anymore, um, but that they had actual photographs of Lizzie, you know, using them. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I assume that it's like what is it called now? Fair use, public domain. Right. Fair yeah. use, right. public domain, stuff like that. I assume after all this time. Mm. And I meant to research it before this podcast, and I forgot till just now. 
um, the Living Dead dolls that they were saying were Lizzie dolls. I wanted to because I wanted to look up and see if they actually do make Living Dead Lizzie dolls. They probably do, um, but I was really curious. Those dolls that they they had in the house and the gift shop, or the dolls in the coffins. Those are the Living mm-hmm. Dead dolls. So I meant to mm-hmm. look up and see if they had Lizzie Board and Living Dead dolls. I think I actually think they do because they do have serial killer dolls. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, Which, speaking of which, I did also really like. I also, sorry, I also liked Dean referencing Sam's serial killer. Uh, yes. Obsession. I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, like my props to Nancy Wan on this episode is way to come out of the gate with having super super done your homework on the show you're working on. Yeah. Like, yeah, she did a like, great to job. Get so much to get so much canon and characterization and continuity correct when, mm-hmm. you know, no offense, but there's writers on staff that have been on staff for years who can't do that. Mad props. <laughs> That's true. Mad props. <laughs> yeah. Not naming any yeah. names. Not naming any <laughs> names. Um Yeah, this episode also felt like I always get them confused. I think playthings when they go to the Connecticut, yeah, yeah, hotel yeah. and and the dolls and all that. It felt it felt similar to me, and there was, but it some, was similar without you know, being a ripoff. Yes, yes. I would say it was a nice kind of kin kinship. You know, I mm-hmm. I mean it in a good way. It reminded me of it. Uh, I liked it a lot, and it even had like the a very similar funny moment with you know a, one room, one double bed, you know, and, and yeah, uh, in it. <laughs> and um, and of course, and, and, and the they actually didn't line. really go for a joke. They just kind of went, you know. But which I also liked that they didn't make an obvious joke about it either. Anyway, yes, that's fine. I agree. The I best. agree. I like I like a subtle joke like that. The mm-hmm. best line, though, in the whole episode, uh, well, first mentioning the bed, I like that um, Sam said, you know, you're going to have to get another room because this is Lizzie's original room and I'm staying. I like that, you know. Um, but <laughs> yes. um, the best the best line in the whole episode, though, was I just wanted to see if the squeezy thing still worked. I love yes. that. <laughs> that was thing. my second favorite. That was second favorite line. My first favorite line, or my first favorite, that makes no sense, but you know what I mean, <laughs> was, um, I'm sorry, was Amara saying, do I look like a whiny wing suck up? Oh, yeah, that I, was funny, I too. Love that, that was funny, too. so much. Because I do feel like the angels have changed so much from their first introduction. Yeah, they're not and scary so, anymore. They're not remotely scary. There's they're so interchangeable and boring now. Um, Think back season four, Uriel and Castiel. Mm-hmm. So terrifying. Uriel, Zach, so Castiel, Zachariah. Mm. Zachariah. Oh, was so good. Even Raphael. You know, we've had Raphael for, two, well, yes. four, five, and six. Yeah. And Raphael. as different actors. Um, and I mean, I, and I, you know, this is kind of going to go into the next episode, but... You know, you mentioned Castiel, and to think about season four Castiel and this Castiel, especially right now, it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, really? How are you even the same dude? Well, this this well, our little world with Cass. I know Cass starts out, you know, kind of depressed, and you know, he doesn't want to go out of the thing, but he makes a marked change by the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. 
much changed by the end of the episode. (laughs) And Uh, I actually wrote in my notes that I I enjoyed seeing him more badass in that episode. He did he did start coming around, and then he and he admits he says I I know I I know I get manipulated. I know I get pulled my strings, and that's why I'm not going to let you do it anymore. So we've talked before. But my problem to the badass cast. Yes, yes, my problem with that is the problem isn't just the manipulation, but also, and I, this is just me being like, uh, and I know I'm jumping to a next the next episode, but I feel like these episodes kind of go together anyway. Again, so uh, mm. I kind of resent the fact that Cass gets like a PTSD storyline when Sam and Dean have gone through so much, and you're trying to tell me that. This angel who's millennia old, mm-hmm. the past three months or whatever messed him up. Really, get out of here! Yeah. I I agree. The the first one, the beginning of our little world, and they've gone there. They don't have a lead anymore. And uh, Dean says, you know, well, your hope is going to be we don't have anything. And Sam says, oh yes, we do have someone to to look for information on on the darkness. And Dean doesn't want to use. Has and Sam has to push him. And Dean's like, oh, he's had a rough go lately. And Sam, I love Sam for this line. Which one of us hasn't? You know, it's like and Sam I will and Dean say, are accepted to suck it up like, and move on. And Cass has been like, oh, let me, you know, you take your time, you get better. The only thing I think is Dean doesn't really want him in there. <laughs> and maybe not for a good well, reason. <laughs> here's my, here's my issue know. with that. Here's my issue with that is that while it was accurate dialogue, I don't feel like the... I feel like the dialogue should have been flipped. Sam's lines felt like Dean's, and Dean's felt like Sam. Sam is never the one to be like, yeah, whatever. Get, you know, last time we had Sam mm-hmm. and Dean saying, mm-hmm. nobody cares that you're broken, Cass. Mm-hmm. And so the dialogue was correct, but for who it was given to, it was very out of character for both for both characters. I, 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 it was to the point where it was jarring to me because I really think that that character, the, the lines should have been flipped. But, but hasn't it been Dean all along who's saying, you need to heal, you need to take care of yourself? So it's been consistent. Oh, what does Cass have to, for the last Cass couple have to heal of from? He's an angel and he's technically been healing them. So get out of here with that. That's just cheap <laughs> to me. That's cheap, and I'm sorry, I hate to say it, and I hate to be this blunt, but it's frankly just pandering. That's all it is. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's pandering, and it's pandering at the at the at the detriment of characterization. Sorry. Yeah. Well, we 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 talked about well, we talked about how can you even curse an angel in the first place? But supposedly this curse was nothing like they'd ever seen before and that's why it was taking Cass so long that, to recover. You have, but you have the, the guys that, that 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 Dean got Rowena to lift it from last season and they just walked off and you want me to you want me to believe that that Cass, who technically didn't even do anything but kill a dog and I say that as a former dog owner that that would flip my brain. I you know, I couldn't cope with that. But give me a break. This mm-hmm. is a this is an angel who murdered his own kin. Mm. On that, I don't disagree with you. I'm just kind of playing double advocate. No yeah, I'm not telling you're wrong. I'm not saying <laughs> you're wrong. You can <laughs> devil advocate all you want. It's not going to change mm-hmm. my mind, and I'm not going to change yours. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the entire current cast storyline is a 
bunch of a word I'm not going to say because it's not PG. Mm-hmm. But um, because yeah, I don't I disagree. I, I don't cheap. disagree at all. But I'm just trying to throw the possibly with everybody's thinking. That yeah, but I don't disagree with as you. As of this episode, we're basically saying it's not that he had to heal. It's that he knows he's too traumatized. Really? Mm. You know, when have we ever, when have they ever allowed Sam and Dean to be so traumatized that they're just sitting in front of the TV flipping channels? Never. That's ridiculous. And Cass himself has been through worse than a curse. Way worse. Yeah, than like I'm I saying, this way curse worse not, than a curse. This curse was hard for him to fight internally, but like I said, he murdered the entirety of heaven at one point. <laughs> he he swallowed mm. all the souls and brought forth he the Leviathans. He swallowed all the Leviathans. Yeah, man. <laughs> and he killed, thousands, he killed thousands of people on Earth as well when he was the yes. Leviathan guy. Like, it's just absolutely preposterous to me. Like, again, I feel like the Casa storyline and the entire, everything surrounding it, and I'm saying like orbiting it, which is what I mean, Samadine, is nothing but, like, a head pat to all the fans that's, that are screaming at the writers. I just think it's ridiculous. I'm not going to pretend that I don't think it's ridiculous because if it's affecting characterization of your main characters, then stop. It's preposterous. And it's affecting Cass as a character. Like, Cass has been really, even off, how do you, be, how do you make your character lame off screen for two episodes? That's impressive to make a character, your regular character, absolutely lame in two episodes that he wasn't even in. Wow. Mm. That's all. I mean, I like the scene of him talking about TV and talking about Jenny Jones, which is obviously Jerry Springer. I thought it was funny. I thought Misha played it funny, but it doesn't mean I think it's good. I remember Mm. Jenny Jones. I. I want to know where he found the Jenny Jones because I don't think it's on anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I where know. did he find it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's he was watching a catch on YouTube. Uh, wait, there was really a Jenny Jones? Yeah, yeah. Yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought it was just yep. like a Jerry Springer, uh, what's that other guy? Bald guy? Uh, Matt, uh, starts with an M. Murray? Murray. Murray po- no, that's a different one. Murray, Murray. Murray Povich? No, no, yeah, no, no, Maury Povich has hair. No, no, Maury Povich has hair. He's the one who's into the um, you're the father thing now. Yeah, but the... You're not the father. And, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is... I Dr. Thought, Phil? I thought... No, Dr. Phil didn't do crazy shit. Uh, I love <laughs> how I just did crazy shit, but I sent myself to say shit before. Fantastic, Vanessa. Anyway... <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I thought, like I said, I thought he played it really funny, and I liked the him. I obviously it was all set up so that he could catch Metatron's uh, reflection. But mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I do have a nitpick about that. Um, any TV news show, anything that's going to show that video worth their salt, is going to edit the video before it gets to the part of the videographer's oh, totally. reflection yeah, in the pack. mirror. I had that nitpick as well. I had that nitpick as well. Again, 
like like we've mentioned before, things being contrived, contrived things irritate me. They could have done it differently, in term like it could have been done differently, still in a way that that video. I don't, you know what I mean. But yes, I had the same little nitpick. But other than, you know, just, you know, that little nitpick and I don't know, maybe if if there's more, I can't think of any. I really, really enjoyed both episodes. I mm-hmm. I like I them a lot. Um, I, okay. And I have to say, Goldie Schmidtlap is probably one of the best <laughs> names I've ever heard, ever. I'm like, I want to change my name to Goldie Schmidtlap. I love that name. <laughs> yeah. If only it was. If it only if it wasn't so many characters, I'd change my Twitter name to Goldie Schmidt Lab. <laughs> it's, it's and I do many characters I, for Twitter. Yeah, that was a and great name. And what I liked about yeah, I do like the, <laughs> I wish it's too many characters. Um, what I liked about both episodes is I like that they're continuing how difficult it is to remember to save people, to do things the hard mm. way. And I like Dean going, oh, yeah, the new rules, because the new rules are sort of, it's, they it's, only I didn't like that. <laughs> no, I, mean, I didn't like it. Like, the idea of it, I like that he was annoyed by it. I didn't. Because, I, did, I don't like well, him saying it was the new rules. I didn't like him being annoyed, because it's not the new rules. Um, no, it's not, no. but in terms of the old like rules. This, yeah, but in terms of something like this, when have they ever let someone soulless go? Or when have they ever let but, somebody who is a threat go? So I don't like that the idea that Dean was like, you have to put me down. But, you have to put him down. But I like the way he said the new rules in terms of this is, in that situation, it's what else are we going to do? I, you know, because we've always, we've talked about how we don't like how they don't care about the meat suit anymore. Right, and I do and go feel on. For, right. say, and, yeah, for him to say new rules, that acknowledges what we've said. Because the reality it, is, is for them, it is a new rule because they have forgotten it, what they had been doing. So it is something that Dean has to remember. It mm. should be, he should have said the original rule. Because, you know, well, that's people. <laughs> Yeah, he could have said, yeah, we're going back to that. But it's just, at the end, the end of it is the same, the meaning is the same. So mm. I like that they acknowledge that they have gotten away from that and that it's something that they have to keep in mind because mm. the wrong way had become the status quo for them. Right. And even Sam, Sam's doing his best. He's not batting up. Right. You know, he's not doing going exactly. 100%, but, he, but he's doing his best. And he and it was actually it was one of the funniest lines in our our little world. He He's fighting off Crowley's demon minions, and, you know, he manages, there's three of them, and he's like, oh, well, two out of three. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, two out of three. And then he runs off to be with Dean. It's like he tried, he did his best, but he, he lost. Yeah, one. and that's what you I mean. Like, I, like that, I like that it's something that they have to, like I said, because because unfortunately, the status quo had been like like we've joked, the, like from Buffy, you know, plunge and move on, plunge and move on. Mm-hmm. That it mm-hmm. is something for them to remember because they've gotten so far away from it. And so I feel like the show is acknowledging the complaints that 
we, and I don't mean this podcast, obviously, I mean in general as an audience, have had in mm-hmm. terms of what they've gotten away from. And I'm glad that they're mm-hmm. acknowledging that it's something that, it, it, I kind of feel like through Sam and Dean, the writers are acknowledging that it's something that they messed up on. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why I like it. Assassin was dead anyway. I mean, he was trying to fool them and say, oh, yeah, yeah, let me go. I'll smoke out. But he couldn't, of course, because the Me Too was already dead. Right. But but they did try. They talked about it, and they started to negotiate. Sam figured out he was already dead. Yeah, and I so. I just like that, that it, it has – it's back to the struggle of it because it's, it's, mm-hmm. yes, we want to save people, but God, that's really hard when we have other things to do and we have to look at the mm-hmm. big picture. Okay. But these individual people are part of the big picture. So, ah, but I like, that. yeah, yeah. It was so because easy at before. the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, yeah. the show, Sam and Dean are antiheroes, you know, they are, mm-hmm. You know, they they have killed, they have committed fraud, they have stolen, they they're squatters, they do all this stuff, but to us they're the hero. And I I think it's important to acknowledge the moral ambiguities of their lifestyle. I yeah. will say another thing that I just remembered that I was like kind of disappointed in. I was like, really, all these times we thought we've been seeing Cat, uh, Crowley in hell. He's actually in an old asylum in Pennsylvania. I was like, or Massachusetts or wherever this is. I was like, really? No, and you know why I like that? You know why I like that? Is because we've all complained about the fact that, like, Crowley's hell. We're like, ugh, that's hell? Seriously? Team. And so I like that it's like, no, yeah, it's not hell. That's why it's late. So it's the same place yeah. like Rowena was all last year, you know, and everything. Did Ro, you know, did Rowena not know she wasn't in hell? <laughs> you know how, you know, because I mean, it seemed like hell, hell is being stuck somewhere you don't want to be. I was just, I liked that it was, was the Needham, the Needham, Needham Asylum. Um, I was gonna say. Oh, I like that Dean knew that, oh, he's not in hell. He he hates it down there. (laughs) And Sam says, oh, that's right, I forgot. (laughs) You know, you and Crowley. Uh, I love love. (laughs) when one or the other is so bitter about something else that the other one did. I love that. (laughs) Because it is a reoccurring theme. It's a reoccurring theme since season one where it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot you had something you did that did not involve me. Ugh. I love that. Mm. I'm sorry. As, as we've discussed, their relationship in reality would be really disturbing in terms of TV, in, in terms of television. I like that whole living out of each, other, each other's pockets thing. I dig it. It makes me happy. Mm. Yep. It does. It does. No. Okay, uh, I don't know. I'm jumping around. I was going to... I know, and I was afraid I have... we were going to do that for these two episodes. So I do want to jump back to Finn Lizzie because okay. I, did, I did really want to, going back to the whole soullessness thing, I really liked I really liked the character of Sydney because we got a really good exposition out of, that, out of her that didn't seem like, 
bogged down exposition. And she's a babysitter, right? She's a babysitter. Uh, yeah, the babysitter. I she like. She's so pretty. She's so pretty. She's super mm. pretty. Um, but I like that we got like her backstory wasn't like this big. It wasn't like a a info dump. It was parsed out as conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know you get the you get her being drunk at the bar, and you get why she was drunk at the bar, and then you get, you know, the background of her abuse. But you, but the way they t- the way that it was tied in with Amara made it, like I said, it made it seem like less of an info dump, and more of a natural conversation you have with a person to find out their background. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. like the reveal of her of the cigarette burns. Which was really gave the character gave you empathy towards the character mm-hmm. instead of thinking like oh she's just a spoiled like twenty year old or twenty one year old like Ugh, I don't care it gave you empathy about her and then the reveal of Jordy's story and why she killed Jordy's parents and then when she says that she's going to raise like she's going to give him a better life than they ever would have. It's so chilling because, again, we discussed about the rational brain part of being soulless. As far as she was concerned, she was going to because she wasn't going to Mm -hmm. give him what her parents did to her and what his parents did to him. So rationally, in her opinion, she was obviously going to give him a better life. Duh. And I really liked how that was... Again, like it was chilling, but with empathy, and I liked that that just just position. I liked that it was so such an imbalanced balance. Does that even make sense? It doesn't, but I liked it. I just thought it was. I thought it was really. I thought it was really good writing. Um, mm-hmm. I liked. I liked yep. Jordy a lot too. So I liked that she. I liked that she was protective of Jordy because I liked him. I liked the little kid. Yeah, yeah. I liked little that, man. like her, Sydney, and also Lynn. They could easily have been very over-the-top, stereotypical. Right. Len was sort of schlubby, geeky person, you know, who lived in his mom's basement, the stereotype, or Sydney, the kind of um, a little bit more, um, like you said, just very, very, yeah, and, and, and her whole persona. And they seemed very real. And Len was like, yeah. Yeah, he had kind of a geeky interest and an odd interest, but he said, I had friends, I had a life, you know, I had a job. Yeah, I really like that, too. Despite everything. Mm-hmm. I really like that, too, that they didn't, that it wasn't just these little boxes of people. It was, you know, and mm-hmm. I like that, especially being um, being a fangirl myself, you know, being someone who is fanish about this show and has been fanish about other shows. I like that reflection as a viewer, because mm-hmm. I I get my backup when any show, but this show has done it twice. When they give me a character that is supposed to be a reflection of me, and make that character mm-hmm. a stereotype that becomes grating, or mm-hmm. in the case of Becky, that she wasn't grating, but they made her into this terrible person, basically. Yeah, and that was a real letdown for me because I enjoyed the character so much. So the last time we see her, she's just literally a bad person, and that's terrible. That's horrible. And so, it's yeah. Just, and we all know how I feel about Charlie. We won't get into it. But if those are the reflection of us. <laughs> then it's it's disheartening to feel like that's how the people who make the show you feel this way about 
see you. Mm-hmm. They see you as this one note thing. And so I like that having Len be the reflection, then it's this it's this acknowledgement of, okay, we know you're super geeky about us, but we know that we don't actually rule the entirety of your brain and that you have family, you have friends, you go and do things that have, that at times have absolutely nothing to do with us. And I, I really, I appreciated that. That's the word I want. I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Me too. Oh, real quick, in case, because this is a tiny thing that I just really loved. I loved in Ken Lizzie where Dean, when Sam and Dean walk up to the door, but Dean rings the doorbell and Sam comes right behind him and knocks. It was just that fluidity of it that I, I really liked. It's just one of those really moments <laughs> where you go, people who know, I don't know if it was written in, if it was something Jared and Jensen did without thinking, or if it was the director or a combination of all three, but it was, again, that whole thing of you really know these characters. Whoever decided on that moment really knew the characters. And I liked that. Mm-hmm. It just looked cool on screen. Um, I'm I'm liking the all the actresses that have played Amara. I thought we we talk about how Supernatural for the most part is cast really well, and I think mm-hmm. the Amaras are are doing very well, though I think my favorite might be this latest one, and we know she's not going to be the too. end of the line for the Amaras, but this one, um, and I want to say her name, Samantha Isler? Yes. I, Isler? I-S-L-E-R. I'm not sure if it's Isler or Isler. I'm not sure how it would be pronounced. Sorry, Samantha, we're not sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you did a great job, and somebody mentioned how she looked like like a younger Scully. From X Files, Anderson, and totally does. But people go to that now. I can't unsee it. Yes, accurate. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Even her, like her lips, her hair—not quite the color, but but her eyes and like her demeanor. And that's a compliment (laughs) because I love X Files. Well, and the funny thing is, is because you know Scully is so. And as you guys know, I just watched X Files for the first time less than a year ago. Mm. So, oh God, less than six months. Feels like forever. Uh, and it was so 90s, especially Scully's look was so 90s. And so since the 90s mm. dialed back, and it's on this girl, and I was like, wait, so weird. <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> but yeah, I have to agree, the casting for Mar, even the baby was good, which is so weird. How was the baby good? Yes. The baby was good, too. <laughs> Even Baby Amara was a, did a good job. <laughs> good job, yeah, so, Baby. And Amara. for me, I for me, I think all of I think all three. Well, technically four with the baby, technically five with Emily Swan. But so all five Amaras. <laughs> but favorites, my favorites of the five have been. Uh, I guess you're like six years old. Like, uh, child Amara, and this Amara. Mm-hmm. They've been my favorites. I think I think Samantha did a fantastic job with this role. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I don't know. Are we are we jumping forward again? 
because just, yeah. just thinking about her and her characterization of Amara and then the scene towards the end of Our Little World with Dean, and it made me so uncomfortable and so uneasy. And I and I like that it did, but they have a very, very obvious and strong attachment. And she, and she says, you know, I... You know, you won't kill me. You know, I knew you couldn't. And she's, I don't know, I don't know how old she is, but she's like coming on to Dean almost because they have this, she says, you're the first thing I saw when, when and, um, and she says, I'm fascinated with you and I can't help it. And... Um, she said, you're the first experience of his creation, which we find out God is her, uh, this God is her brother. And she says she calls him the sweet triumphant and a sweeter folly. It's very poetic, but it still all makes me, I don't know, it was so une- made me so uneasy. And Nadine, what? No, go ahead. It's going to go into the same thing um, you're going to say. Mm. Um, and he can't kill her. And the only time he even tries is when she actually threatens Sam. Sam comes charging <laughs> in to help Dean, and and that's the first time Dean makes a move towards Crowley and her when he hears uh, Sam calling him, and then Sam comes in. Amara flings him so Sam can get his latest concussion of the week being thrown against the wall, <laughs> which is why he didn't see, see Dean and, and Amara talking. And that's the only time that, that um, at which makes perfect sense because we know Dean will always choose Sam over everything else, but he has this weird attraction to Amara. They're, they're bonded, like they keep talking and, and all that. And it, it does, I like it. I think it's very interesting, but it's making me uncomfortable. I like, and, and so I have a uh, I have a friend who watches East Coast, and unlike Becky, who does not spoil me, uh, huh. this friend will spoil me with abandon. So I'm always spoiled for an episode before two hours before I watch it. Never fails. So. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm so wigged out by this. I'm so weirded out. This is so uncomfortable. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I was like, I think you're forgetting that you're watching a horror show. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't say it was a bad thing. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's good. And I was like, okay. Because I do agree. I think that it is creepy. And I'm glad it's creepy because this was a horror show. And I feel like Mm -hmm. sometimes we get back to that. Um, And I also like, I mean, I'm I'm not... I don't have a big issue with age dynamics. I think I think the actress is like seventeen or eighteen. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like know. the child. But he's so much. Uh, oh, maybe it's okay, also has to do with say. experience. From, I, like one of my, well, I come from a show like one of my favorite shows, and one of the shows that I was super fanish about. Like I was super into this fandom was Queer as Folk. Well, the protagonist are in a in a relationship and when that relationship starts one of them is 17 and the other one is nearly 30. Mm-hmm. And that that is the main relationship through all seasons. 
So, and and with Brian the and Justin. Oh, yeah. years. Brian and Justin. Okay, yeah. I, I, I love Brian and Justin so much. I don't want to talk about Yeah, that's. Um, <laughs> Becky has okay. not seen Curious Logan. It breaks my heart all the time. Oh, but anyway, I watched it. I watched most of the most of the beginning. Yeah, it's it's terrific. It's terrific. I love yeah. that stuff so much. Um, but what they do, and what this is doing as well, is throughout the show, Justin, who's the younger one, constantly says, you know, they're constantly reminding, they're always reminding you of their age difference, and he's always going, yeah, but emotionally, I'm older than you. Or mm-hmm. there's one point where Brian says, you know, you should make friends your own age. And he's like, you are, you guys are my age. And mm-hmm. so I like that in terms of, like, going to this, Amara, because technically Amara is, and my friend Katie said something about the age dynamics making me uncomfortable. I go, yeah, you're right. She, Dean is really young for her. She's like, oh, you suck. Because technically <laughs> Dean is younger than her. Mm-hmm. And so I like I like that the way the actresses have played Amara, all of them have played her this way, is that mm-hmm. she has no concept of her outward age. She is just the age she is. She's ageless. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like that each actress has maintained that, and each writer has maintained that, that they just write the same characterization no matter what the actress is on the outside. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really like when any movie or series does that whenever they're doing something similar to this. Because let's be real, this is not a unique thing. Um, But I really like that. So for me, it's creepy, but it's a good creepy and it works. Yeah. Like I said, I liked it, but but it made me uncomfortable. (laughs) I liked it, but it made me uncomfortable. I like yeah, that. and I like when, I, I like things it. that make me uncomfortable in that way. Yeah. I mean, I and, just been in, I, and and everybody was flipping out about this age dynamic thing with Amara and Dean, and at the same time, I was watching Hemlock Grove, all three seasons. And so, anybody who's watched Hemlock Grove out there, because I'm not going to say anything because season three just came out, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. But if you watch Hemlock Grove, there's no way you can think this scene is disturbing because it's such small potatoes compared to anything on Hemlock Grove. You're just like, whatever, man. Get out of here. So, yeah, this is not going to make a dent in me for a long time after Hemlock Grove. (laughs) And Dean can't kill Amar, but Amar can't kill him either. She has every chance in the world at the end to kill Dean, kill Sam, but she doesn't. She just goes. And I'm not sure why she didn't kill Sam. I mean, I understand her and Dean, unless she realizes that Sam means everything to Dean, and she's giving him a pass for the moment. Oddly enough, having two episodes that run the same theme makes for a little bit mm-hmm. of discussion. Oh, I did want to say I something. I have something about... I want to talk about. Oh. And, Go. Um, okay. And I know Vinny won't like it. Uh, oh, I'll just ignore you for a while. <laughs> the cage. I'm so excited to see the cage. Let's see. Okay. Yes. Let me explain why I don't like it, because people are going to just think I don't like the cage. I just think it's weird that it's an actual cage. The cage is a cage. I just think that that's 
kind of here's what I liked about it um you know remember when Dean went to hell the first time and no rest for the wicked at the end and we see him hanging yeah. by the chains that was this hell you know it was the same yeah that's what I was gonna say I like the way why I said I like mm-hmm. the way they set it up it's the chains and everything I did really like that and it made me feel better about the fact that it's an actual cage I, I love that I wonder when No Rest for the Wicked first aired and we saw Dean at the end in hell and the chains and everything, it was like, that is some creepy-ass hell right there. You know, that is yeah. what hell hell mm-hmm. is like. And then, you know, every other time when we've seen hell, which apparently most of the time it's actually been in Massachusetts, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was not very hellish looking, you know. So I like that the cage is back in the creepy ass hell. I really, really like that. And I like that the you know, it's held by change just like Dean was and it mm-hmm. looks it looks very creepy. It looks like, you know, the worst punishment ever. I can see why Lucifer would not want to be in there and I really liked it. Plus I just really like the idea of going back to that storyline a lot. Mhm. I I I agree. I I love the cage. It doesn't bother me that it could be a literal cage, but I wonder is it? You know, is it is it a construct? Is it is it something done so and that so that Sam sees it but somebody else would see it a different way? I think you can I, I you can go for that cage on different levels. And again, for me it's always been because I agree with Eric Kripke. It's always more disturbing when you can't mm-hmm. see it. So the hellhounds are more disturbing when you, they were invisible. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, safety with the cage, safety with hell in general, safety with heaven. Like it's so much more massive mm-hmm. when it's your imagination. When you actually create it, then you shrink it. Mm-hmm. But that was, I don't know. That was a really creepy scene, though. I mean, it again, it was a callback the hell from no rest from no rest for the wicked and I loved yeah. that and I thought they did a great Which, job I love the chains it was a nice echo and Sam's vision of Sam there echoes Dean's with the chains attached to his body you know and pulling right. the skin and his eyes I yeah I I wish they had I pulled that. his eyes because I wish they hadn't pulled his eyelids in that episode for two reasons. One, ugh, eyelid stuff is so duh to me. Eyeball and eyelid stuff is just the only thing worse is fingernail stuff. And mm-hmm. also, if I was a same head, it kind of made it look a little funny and goofy, so mm, I have mixed feelings about that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but, no, but yeah, like, I do think that in terms of the visual we got of it, it's better than I would have thought they would have done. So it worked for me ish. Ish. I'm not, like, you know, and it's okay. Like, Becky's really, Becky really likes the idea of them going back to that storyline. I'm not super stoked about going to a six-year-old storyline, but whatever. Either way, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I could end up liking oh. it. You don't know. Yeah. Well, I like it. You, I you, like Becky might have end up hating it. We don't know. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's entirely possible. I I want to I want to like give a shout out to Jared because when he at the very end when he's walking away from Cass and Dean and you hear the sort of screechy buzzing noise 
is like not quite a music cue, but something similar. It's almost like a death metal kind of. It starts bringing it up, and Sam starts having the visions of the cage, and he's you hear him like like he's breathing, he's terrified. He's absolutely terrified. He's so terrified he can barely breathe because he's remembering that and seeing that. And I just I just love it. I love the way he played it. He did an amazing amazing job. He did the same thing earlier in the episode when you got a tiny flash of it. It's the same thing. He looked he was he was remembering his time and and just horrified. Also when first time he remembers it and he's like he's had this vision and he drops to the ground and we see the vision and then he when we come back to Sam almost like do you think he's looking at God? Like who is sending me this well, vision? Thinks, is God sending he me thinks to me? these visions are from God. Mm-hmm. But I like that it mirrors also like, you also get a lot of introspective moments at that end. So you get that. You also have one of Mara's walking, which is also a fantastic music cue to have. Uh, Girl, you'll be a woman soon. Like, that was unexpected. Mm. But yes. also you have, while she's walking, she looks up as well. And then mm. you have a moment of Crowley and his eyes are just kind of steady and Dean's and Dean's drinking and his eyes are down. Mm. I don't know if it's on purpose. It's probably not, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah. And I liked I liked Dean taking a dig at Sam at the end. You know, he's already annoyed, he's angry, he's misdirecting because both Cass and Sam kind of look at him when he says, I, I told you uh, Amara got the better of me. That's why I let her go. And they can tell that, you know, that's not the whole truth. You know, it may, none of it may be true. Some of it may be true. They don't know, but they know there's a, there's some lying going on there. And, and then, um, Dean, Dean takes a dig at Sam. He says to him, because they have to research and find out what's going on with the darkness and more about him, her being God's sister. And she says, well, don't suppose God shared anything, you know, because mm-hmm. he knows Sam is, is is praying. So he's like, I love that he took a dig at Sam about that. It's a misdirect. You know, it's like, don't don't look at what I'm talking about. Don't listen to me. You know, I can tell I'm, I'm just going to push you away. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and him yelling at Cass, how could you let Metatron go? And I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, but this is the kettle, you're black. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes and no, because it is, you know, we've talked about characters that have lived past a time that makes sense. And it, at this point, Metatron makes no sense. He should not be alive. There's a lot of characters that I'm like, and in, in any other show, it wouldn't be weird to say, God, why is that character still alive? But in this show, <laughs> it is one of those, like, why is Metatron still alive? Why is, you know, why is Crowley still alive? Why is Castle alive? Like, mm. It doesn't make sense because everybody else dies. So it doesn't make sense for these three characters to be alive. It's, you know, kind of preposterous. So in a way, like, yes, it's really rude of Dean to be like, why couldn't you do what I couldn't do either? But mm. but that said, going back to what you said, um, Dean did, you know, when Amara went after Sam, 
he did raise his knife, and we don't know what would have happened had Amara not flung him away. Mm. That that's another thing. So why does he why know. does he have the demon knife? She's not a demon. And Sam should have had the well, demon knife because he was no, facing down three demons. <laughs> well, okay, they were. I mean, yeah, I and and Dean Dean does say, you know, Sam does say we don't know how to take how to defeat her, and Dean does yeah. say we're just going to take everything because we don't know, but we're just going to throw everything at the wall till it sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I get that, but he so, kind of think he should have been like bristling with weapons and not brought only the demon knife, and then Sam could have really used the demon knife, <laughs> the angel blade. But Sam was supposed to be able to throw anything else but angel. Yeah, Sam had an angel blade whatever. though, so Sam yeah, the actually, angel blade is yeah you know, can kill everything, well, okay. uh, everything ever apparently. I will say theoretically, yeah. Sam yeah. if their weapons should have been flipped, because. An angel blade can kill a demon, add an angel, add everything. A, the demon blade, Ruby Tobias, cannot kill an angel, and it can't kill anything, everything. So technically you're right, and they should have flipped weapons. You're right. If they were only going to take a, a, a blade and a knife to a to a darkness fight, they should have flipped those. I, yeah, I will give you mm-hmm. that. However, okay. I will also say, going back to... <laughs> I didn't read it like that. I really didn't. <laughs> I totally missed what you just said. I missed it. <laughs> but I know I'll give you that. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Did you enjoy the little head pat I gave you? <laughs> oh, so not what I meant. <laughs> that came out. Okay. But, um, I meant to say, like, good point, good point, because I had none of that, is what I meant. Because I had been thinking of it before the same way of they didn't know. Dean has literally said, I'm just going to take everything, and Sam has said, but yeah, no. Once once we parsed it out, yeah, that was kind of a fail. <laughs> but I got one knife for demons. Hello. I mean, but I mean if the bunker's full of swords, you know, it's full of books, it's full of spells. You know, there's that scene in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome where they won't let him in Thunderdome with weapons, and it takes 10 minutes for Max to take out all his weapons from every part of his clothing and body. Uh, I was going to use those like kid. Anyway. So, but I will, what I wanted to say about that also, though, I'm going back to the Amara actresses. I really like the way Samantha played when Dean does come out of it and is about to go after her, after she flings him. The look on her face, that that really subtle devastation of like, wow! I thought we were I thought we were closer than that, but it turns out that mm-hmm. no. So it's this it's this cross between wow! Now she has figured out his one weakness, but also mm. the, the, that really subtle betrayal she played of like, because mm-hmm. for Dean in a way like he's kind of going well. These are both two. Babies that are my babies. So, like, but I had one baby first. Sorry. Because, you know, he mm. did raise Sam. And he sort of birthed Amara. And Craig. But anyway. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, no. But metaphorically, he birthed Amara. Uh, yeah, I, I said so. Oh, no. uh, yeah, let's not go there. No, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> what I'm saying is he's had he's had three kids throughout 11 years, but, you know, 
Samus is first born? Metaphorically again. <laughs> okay, changing the subject. Um, <laughs> yes, quick. I, I love the musical cue at the end with Urge Overkill's Girl, You'll Be a Woman mm. Soon. I loved that. That was so good. It was great. I love that song. I love that version of that song. Oh, me too. Um, that's my favorite version of that song. Oh, and it's going to be weird to not associate it with Pulp Fiction and not associate it with right. Because it's exactly. Pulp Fiction it's like, for so long. Cause, yeah. First thing you think of is Mia Wallace dancing and then ODing. So. And I will say that it takes a it takes a really good and group of actors to make such a song and version of a song that's so iconic work in a scene and not have the audience go, that doesn't work, that doesn't fit. This is this is mm-hmm. this is Mia Wallace's song. It it takes a right. it takes it's a lot of talent for your audience to not go, uh no. And I don't know anybody who went, Yeah, that didn't work. Everybody I know was like, I loved that. Including Jared and Jensen. Mm-hmm. That's right. They did. I have a soulless question. <laughs> Mara? As far as I know, we all have <laughs> our souls, so we may not be able to yeah, answer good. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe no one can answer this. Well, so, in reference to supernatural, a soulless question-ish, um, um, at the beginning of our little world, the the slightly younger Amara takes Goldie's face in her hands and she says, I want to be like you. Is she taking souls? I know she's eating them for sustenance, but are they changing her? Is she absorbing no. their personalities or the people? I think it was, was, I it think just, it was, I, I was that she wanted to be older. Yeah, she wanted to be a teenager is what I took just, it to be. That's it. Okay. I kind of want because I thought it was... Because I kind like, of think minute, that they know. are going to go in a way where she wants to get to a point where visually she looks like a peer to Dean. Mm-hmm. Where Dean's not going to view her as a teenager, a kid, you know. I think right. not just Amara, but obviously the writers, if they're going to continue to write this sort of tension with them, they do have mm-hmm. to age her up for it. Like, obviously, it's why they waited till this version of her to play that mm-hmm. scene. Yes, the age gap may kind of sit back a minute, but not nearly as much as you would have sat back with the last Amara at 12 years old. You would have been like, oh, God, right. no, please don't do that. Yeah. That's just no. Because, I mean, that would have been a bridge too far for even me. And I'm pretty forgiving about age gaps. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I took it as she wanted to be older, more mature, mm-hmm. more visually mature. I shouldn't say older, more visually mature. She was basically only wishing that she had the cool name of Goldie Schmidtlap. Well, obviously. Yes. <laughs> Although Amara obviously. is a pretty cool name. What's Not as cool as Goldie Schmidt-Lapp, sorry. Well, no, we can't no. all be Goldie Schmidt-Lapps. I mean, let's be real. That's so true. Didn't Robert Barron's make a comment about that name on Twitter? Cause he, yeah, he, he said he completed it. Yeah. Somebody asked him, like, why he picked that name, and he was like, yeah, I just liked it. I was wondering if Did it was, do... like, somebody he knew or, you know, he named it after a friend or family member or something. I'm pretty sure he said he just made it up, and I thought that was kind of interesting because usually we have, like, when Robbie and back when Adam Glass wrote for the show, 
they usually pick names of people they knew. So I liked that he was like, I just thought Goldie, I, I think he might have said Goldie came from somebody, but Schmidtlap was something he made up. I, have to go, I would have to go okay. back and look to be sure. He did if answer. there's a real Goldie Schmidtlap out there, I bet she's like, never thought she'd ever hear her name on television. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But I'm actually trying to look back a little bit on his Twitter. Well, it's a favorite name of Jared as well. <laughs> yeah, he liked the name too. Mm-hmm. It's a cool name. I mean, come on. It is. It's a wonderful name. I really enjoy and I'm not, you know, full disclosure, I'm not someone who really thinks that live tweeting is a good idea. Uh wow. I get why network I get why networks have their their talent do it. I just don't and I don't just mean for supernatural. I think in general it's a terrible idea. And if I was a writer I'd be like, please don't because everyone's so busy watching, you know, the stars' Twitter that they're not watching the show. And if I was a mm-hmm. writer for a show, I'd, I'd really like you to focus on what I put weeks of work into, but thanks ever so much. That's my feeling on, on live tweeting. But um, mm-hmm. I will say that I do prefer live tweeting this, like when it's both of them and they're both giving information uh, versus just one of them live tweeting or like somebody just being like, funny but not giving us information. So mm-hmm. I thought it's a weird thing to give like a critique on, but I think Jared and Jensen did a really good job of live tweeting. That sounds super condescending, but <laughs> <laughs> that's apparently my theme tonight is I'm going to be condescending to everyone. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I think they did a really good job at their job. I would say I would give a smart ass comment, but I'll I'll let I'll let it go. I'll let it go. Oh well, now I want to know. I was just gonna say, aren't you always? But you know, as a joke, because you know I love you. So. Okay, in her defense, I I kind of am, but I try to curb it in public. Um, I'm I'm. I'm looking at Robert Barron's Twitter, and he says, actually, a lot got cut this ep. It was jam-packed, and our amazing editors had to make time. So I would, but this, this is like one time I would actually love to see deleted scenes. I mean, sometimes, I sometimes it they're good, sometimes they aren't, but I would like to know on this one. I was, I thought it was weird that he said that because, honestly, every episode runs long, every script runs long, every script has a lot cut, and every... Uh, final cut of an episode has a lot cut. So I thought it was weird that he said that, like as if it was something unusual, because it's really not. That's the average. For an episode to come in right on time or under, or even under, it's far more rare than to get multiple scenes cut. Mm. I thought it was weird. But it's like the idea that there's more going on in, in this episode, because I liked this episode. So I, I would like yeah, to Yeah, I would imagine that anything that there. got cut was obviously cut in a way that it's not necessary. It was probably just some kind of filler. Mm-hmm. I well, would I, I would actually venture to say it was probably he probably had a lot more Amara dialogue. Given the way that he wrote her, like you said, quite poetically. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. I would imagine there was probably a lot more to her that got cut. 
his writing also, he also seems to be the type that tends to give a lot more words to the non-regular characters. Again, that came out condescending as well. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> well, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a sound bad too. he's a wordy person, and if you read his Twitter, he's a very wordy person, and I don't mean that in a bad way, even though it sounds bad. He's like a, you know, like most people tweet, it's like very quick and very simple, but he's very, his tweets are very complex sometimes. Yeah, he's hyperbole. So, he's, yes. And that's um, you know, not a bad thing, but. Yeah, no, in a bad way, but I mean, like, when he, when he wrote Alexis Annie, you know, when I refused to learn how to say that episode correctly, but he gave Mm. a lot of dialogue to uh, Alexis Annie, Alex, he gave a lot of dialogue to Jody, and less to Mm -hmm. Kane. He did Executioner's song. Majority of the dialogue went to Kane. Um, so I guess he clearly likes playing with the characters he doesn't get to play with a lot. And I get that. Sort of. Actually, I think I I do mean it as uh, almost as condescending as as it came out. I kind of do. I take it back. I kind of meant that. (laughs) I told you, Um, Mr. Natural (laughs) Face. I like that, that he says, he's talking how he was laughing at a look Jensen, Jensen gave Mark. It must have been the bromance because he said he gives Mark Jensen gave Mark a WTF look, and he said it was unscripted. <laughs> Not a surprise, but I, I, I thought it I worked will, well. I, I get the feeling that that's kind of Jensen's thing. Is a lot of his facial tics are very unscripted. We know of a few off the top of our heads. So, con- considering some decisions in. Dialogue and show, etc. No, I'm not surprised. He's a, he yeah, some interesting expression. Yeah. Um, I do want to say one other thing about Saint Lizzie mm-hmm. because it goes into. I mean, there's a very clear science to the way the seasons are written, and what we call the Carver era. What you know, a lot of people call the Carver era. You know, you can make the ticks on what episodes are going to be what we consider myth arc and what we consider Monster of the Week and what episodes are going to have, you know, lean towards the ensemble of having Sam and Dean plus Crowley, Cass, and now Rowena versus just Sam and Dean. I mean, you can pretty much set up... There's only one episode that flip-flops every year, which is either episode... It's always episode 11 versus 20. That's it. You know, you're gonna. That, that's it is what it is. But I like that this that Thin Lizzie felt a lot like, for example, Playthings, in that it was an episode that was by formula a monster of the week, but in execution was a was a hybrid of them and actually leaned more myth arc. And I like that because I do miss the days when a Myth Arc episode still focused around Sam and Dean because I do think that sometimes the Myth Arc episodes falter by trying to squeeze in too much in order to give every actor enough material. And I think it's to the detriment of certain episodes. So I do think that it's nice to see that kind of 
play with the formula. And I think it was interesting that we got to see a new writer do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much sense that made, what I just said, but if it made sense to you, let me know what you think <laughs> about what I said. Because <laughs> well, a really awkward, it's really hard to word that without sounding like a jerk. <laughs> Well, the episode baby. The episode baby only had Sam and Dean. It had Cass on the phone a little bit, but it was only Sam and Dean, and it was so it was just glorious to have just the two of them, you know. And Becky yeah. and I talked about it. And we decided that we did not care if 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 Jared and Jensen ever slept again, that we would like if they would just keep doing episodes like this. It's like, yes, work hard. You can rest later, <laughs> you know. Work harder. Yep. Stay up. Don't sleep because we want these episodes. I, lo- I love the I love them very, very much, but I, I want that show. Mm. Yes. It was so amazing. So amazing with just them it just reminded reminded us and Many, many, many fans of of how how wonderful it is to have just the two of them, just the two of them, and just the oh. two of us. We seeing them if we try. <laughs> seeing Sam <laughs> Dean have fun for a change is just so good. Mm-hmm. Me poorly, uh, completely tone deafly singing that song is going to be my entire input for Baby. So. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm very, thank you. I, I, I am very appreciative that you didn't actually give us your opinion because I know your opinion on that. And I love the episode too much, so I am very appreciative of you not giving your opinion. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, we I, loved it. I mean, <laughs> we carried on for almost two hours with nothing but love for that episode. Love, I like parts love. of it. I like the parts uh, that you guys just focused on. I would love to see something like that written by somebody else. So, yeah, I lied. That's my actual opinion of Baby. I think it was a great concept that should have been executed by someone else. I can't hear you. (laughs) I mean, that's perfectly fine. I know a lot of people, I know most people (laughs) went, I didn't like a lot of it, but I'll take it for what it was and I'm going to love what it was and forget everything I didn't like about it, and I completely respect that. And like I said, I love the idea of it. I just wish that somebody else had done it, because I think I think there are writers on staff that could have done a much better job with that concept. And I do feel like the parts that most people liked were not written by that writer. I think they were written by another writer. And by another writer, I mean Jeremy Carver. Because it just it was very, very reminiscent of Jerry Carver's writing, the parts that I did like about it. So I do think that a majority of like the talk in the car between Sam and Dean, I think a lot of that was uh if not completely heavily inputted by Jerry Van Carver. Well, showrunner takes a pass on every script, so Yeah, as they should. Should. It's as almost they like I don't it's just almost like I don't I don't care who wrote it. That's how much I love no, it. No, like, I know, I, don't, I, don't I know. And care. I really wish that, like I said, I really wish that, that concept have gone had gone to 
a writer that was overall stronger and could have done the whole episode justice because I do think that, wow, for someone who wasn't going to talk about that episode, um, I do think that at the midpoint of that episode, the concept fell apart. I just do. We have and a I caller. think a strong, I think. Oh, okay, good. Then I really will stop talking about it. <laughs> you think it meant something? This, I'm going back. Oh, sure. Oh, I mentioned we, uh, oh, we had a caller and it was after nine. So I thought we'd take a caller. If you if you have a something or comment, go ahead. Um, I don't know. It might it might be real quick. Just it, the only thing I was going to say, Sam Sam's visions come back when he's right at the door, about to burst into Amara, and I just wondered, was it something about being that close to Amara? But I know he's had visions when he was nowhere near Amara. But I just wondered why that moment that his vision. Visions. I thought it was Suddenly weird. Like it was almost like Dean triggered it, like by mocking him. I thought it was more of they don't, you know, they're going after Amar, and they specifically said that they don't know what will, you know, what they can use against Amar. They don't know what'll kill her, and so here's Sam going after Amara, and so he gets the vision, which is telling him this is what you need to go after Amara. That's what I was thinking. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And, yes, we have a caller, an extremely patient caller, <laughs> and I'm so sorry, but I'm going to put you on the air right now. I hope. There we go. Hello, caller. Welcome to Winchester Radio. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> Hello. Hi. 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 This What's is your name? Monica Har- <clears throat> sorry. This is Monica Hargrove from Twitter. Hi, Hi. Monica. Hey. Yeah, that was me calling and hanging up because the the replay on the phone is ahead of what's on the website, so I kind of missed a little bit. But um, I had so many notes, and now I I went blank. Um, first off, yeah, the scene between Amara and Dean, like she was like hitting on him. I want to say, but not say it. Like, yeah, it creeped me out. I was like, what is she? No. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh-uh. No. <laughs> We've already had Sam go down that road. We don't need Dean going down that road. But, um, yeah, that kind of creeped me out. And oh. Becky, Becky, I wanted to tell you that um, the Lizzie Borden Chronicles, I actually, last I read, they're on hiatus right now. So oh, it should good. Be coming. I, I, good. I thought I'd heard that they were canceled. So that makes me very happy because it was a good I show. I hope not because they left it on a cliffhanger. Right, I right. I thought they canceled it. That, that was Did you watch the movie? Yes. And what caught, yeah. what I... What I think is make what makes the movie and the show so cool is that they use modern music... On yes, you know, the Victorian that. era show, and I, love that. I just love that. Love it, love it. And when I heard they were doing this episode of Lucy Borden, which they didn't even—it it was just like the shell. Like they didn't even include Lucy Borden in the in this episode, really. I wrote, uh, I tweeted Jim, and I'm like, 
why don't the boys go to the Winchester house? Like, why? Why can't they go there? Do y'all know what the Winchester house is? The Winchester mystery Mm -hmm. house? Yeah, I wonder if it would just be, like, too suspension of disbelief, comedic, out of... The realm because it's it's unless it's, they did it apparently they did it in terms of a specific episode that was meant to be that way like one of the experimental episodes because I think they they would constantly be wondering if this like was tied to them in some way. Well, yeah, because it's so haunted. It's apparently so haunted. Like, and yeah, I so. would love, I would just love to see Dean walking through there, opening doors to nothing, and being you know just the way he would That's, talk about you. He would be so sarcastic. I wonder if it would just be too hard to build it. You know, Jerry Wanick and the set people are phenomenal. They are awesome. But building a set for the Winchester Mystery House might be just really too complicated. So that might but be what another if they, What if they just built pieces? I I really do think that it would have to be something that, and I God, I'm so afraid of what I'm about to say. Because if anybody's listening, I don't want to put this into the universe. I think it'd be something that would have to be done, like I said, as a specifically experimental episode. Because if not, then you have to carry the the storyline of, like I said, of them wondering if if it's their fault. So it would have to be something that is either experimental and kind of turns out to be like the Lizzie Borden episode where it's not really about the house. But then they realize that it's not about their name, it's not about the house. Or it would have to be something that would almost encompass like half a season. Yeah, well, because I was just and that like, would, was, that would be very difficult for them to be stationary for for so long. So it would have to be like, like I said, at least a third of a season, really, to make sense, or an experimental yeah. episode. And both of those would be really difficult to pull off, I think. By the way, uh, Vinny, mm-hmm. um, I just want to say <laughs> we missed you when you weren't there. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I was just like, I was like. Where's Vinny? Because I'm like, no, she, she, because like, we had like, you're sorry. Uh, I don't mean this like in a mean way or you something. You can say but, it because I'll probably agree with you. So go feel no, free. No, but like, <laughs> but like, your sarcastic remarks and just like side eyeing stuff. That's totally <laughs> me. So when you start saying um no and you go off on a tangent, I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. And then you weren't here the other week, and I'm like, where's Vinny? So basically, she doesn't like me and Susan going, oh, I love this. I love this. Oh, this is awesome. This is so good. Becky, Becky, when I say that, when I have called in on a tangent, when I have called in and just rambled, what have I told you? <laughs> like when you your laugh makes me laugh. Like if I hear it, like I just start busting out laughing. Like no, I love y'all, but like me and Vinny have a lot of the same. Um, we see things a lot of the same ways. So like when she gets sarcastic and starts side eyeing and stuff and being like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. But when she wasn't here the other week, I'm like, oh my god. Because I can't be listen to was... Becky and Susan be all positive about everything. This sucks. <laughs> and I'll be honest, you're all positive about it, and I'm just like, where's Finny? She, like, no, no, no. 
Um, there was technically three. Yeah, there was technically three reasons why I didn't show up for that episode. One, uh, I moved house. Two, it was Halloween, and my aunt does this insane Halloween like setup at her house, and we always go over there and everything. And but the third really was that I knew before it even aired that Becky and Susan were going to love this episode without reservation. Okay, and which I, one are we talking I, about? Because I can't even remember the episode. I just remember that I missed, you were gone. I missed Baby. I, w- I was in oh, the Baby. I liked Baby, but I was, like, watching it because I remember I was on YouTube. I was I watched the the, uh, the panel, and Jensen had said that he had, when he was beating him up, beating whoever up, that, that girl whooped his butt. And I was laughing. But yeah. um, he, I, he said, I didn't you know, have... I he was fighting and he said, get out of my car. He was fighting and said, get out of my car. And I was waiting to see if they used it and they didn't use it, which it would have been really good. But, yeah, I was like, ooh, she's whooping your butt. And Sam needs to stop flirting with the cashier. You know, <laughs> I was just like, look at the Yeah, window. that was so weird. Like, I don't know. Again, like I said, I purposely didn't want to bring anybody down for that episode because fandom in general, in general was running those was like, running this fever high I, with it. I liked it. I liked it as a concept, but at the end when the car was, like, literally limping away, I, like, I wanted to cry over the car damage. And then the next thing you You saying that, you saying that, this is what I'm going to say. This is one of the few things I'm going to say about this episode on the podcast and even publicly. Like, I didn't even talk about this episode much on my personal Twitter, which is super rare for me. Um, but... One of the one of the con- conceptual problems I had with that episode was it was oh, again so I, I, I go back to fan fiction the episode mm-hmm. in that you're going to tell me that you're writing something for me and then mock me and in and baby I felt like you were telling me that you were writing this episode for me for the car for the brothers and then you kind of literally destroyed it at the end. Mm-hmm. And I really see, took I'm, umbrage with I took umbrage with that. I took offense to that because I don't think it was necessary. And I just I I don't know. I, I just I I've have got a lot such of feelings a cynical, about that I've got such, I, I've got I such a cynical um, view baby. on a lot of things that I knew that they were gonna do something to like piss yeah, us off. See, I, wasn't I knew they were they always do it. They always do something that's gonna piss us off. But then the next episode is all nice and shiny and everything, and I'm like, uh-uh. No, Baby's damage at the end of the episode to me, it was just showing that she's the same as Sam and Dean. Sam and Dean were really beat up. They had been through a big fight, fighting evil, and they were damaged. Baby did the same. Fighting the she worst was in a fight. monster of the week ever to exist. Give me a – okay, yeah, let's not talk about Baby. Let's really not because it's, this is not going to go I will out. say, I will say I was pissed at that oh, episode with those two girls. I was pissed with those two girls. Sorry, Becky. Sorry. <laughs> I, I thought that was a really cool point I was making. But I don't agree It's a cool point from that point of view. I don't agree with it. So I'm not going to say anything. Oh, oh whatever. I got, wrong, so pissed. I got so pissed when those two girls stole the car. First off, that was a yeah, that was ugly third. purse. <laughs> that was an ugly purse. Why? She would not know. I don't know no 16, 17-year-old girl that would have that purse. Oh, my God. But anyways, um, go Sam. He got some. I hope she doesn't die. Um, 
And no, when she drove off in the car, Sam and Dean were still, were still standing in the parking lot. You're trying to tell me that Sam, that Dean didn't see her drive out of the parking lot with his car? He wouldn't have went running after her? Are you kidding me? No. Well, it, the, I thought the ballet area, the ballet area was out of the parking lot. I thought that was, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times yeah, the ballet area is away from the place. So. Yeah, but. It's open. You telling me he didn't see her drive off? Are you kidding me? Well, she—I'm assuming they thought she was driving it to the to the place where she, she takes the car. Mm-mm. But um, also, I, I liked. Was it what was his name? Len? Glenn? Yes, Len. I liked him, even though he was soulless. He wasn't as violent as Sam, though. I really <laughs> liked Len. I really liked I him a lot. I did too. It. Uh, I liked him, but I like, you know what, I liked that babysitter too, but it was a red herring for me when they just let her keep talking. So I knew when she kept talking and giving information, something was going to happen to her later in the episode. I didn't know, yeah. I didn't think, I, you know, it didn't surprise me when she goes evil, but, you know, I knew they'd do something with her. But um, the also the cage... I'm sick. It, re- it reminded me of hell of when Dean was strung up, you know, on the hooks in hell. It reminded me of that, and we saw a hand, but we don't know. And everyone, like all my friends, they were like, "That's Michael and Lucifer." You don't know who's actually in that cage. Like it's really weird because it did, and I have to keep looking at it because it did kind of look like 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 Jared's hands, fingernails. But it can't be him because that makes no sense. So I'm really confused as to who it is because there's nobody we have seen whose hands match those hands. I, I, I don't. I, I can't figure. And technically, the only person, my. the only person who should be in the cage in terms of like physically, is is Adam's body. Adam's body is the only body that should be in the cage. There's no yeah, other body here, that should be in there. Here's the thing. Like all my friends, like a lot of my friends online, they're still like. You know, Adam went to hell. No, Adam's in heaven. When Michael took him over and he got caught on fire, I'm pretty sure his soul went to heaven. Just like yeah, I don't think there like, is any more Adam. I've yeah, always like said Jimmy's, that I don't. Just like Jimmy's soul went to heaven when Cass, you know. Well, Becky and I have had this argument for years because she wants closure to Adam's story. I believe we've had closure to Adam's story. We will find but, out who's right it, in this battle royale very soon. Wouldn't it be wild if, uh, if, uh, oh, God, I'm forgetting their names, the actors that played Adam and Lucifer. I'm blanking. Jake Abel and, and Mark Pellegrino. Yeah, wouldn't it be wild if they stepped out of that cage when it opened? Like, people would freak. I just think it would be cool if they came back. I don't know what for because I don't know what for because as of right now, the writers don't know what to do with Cass. They just sit him in the bunker and put him on Netflix, which, okay, he's a little bit depressed, but come on. I don't, I don't like that. I get he can be depressed because, you know, he tried. And that little boy that pulled the gun on him when he was running, which I laughed when he was running because it was just amusing to me how he ran when they were shooting at him. This was a couple episodes ago. Um, that boy, he, he's been on the show before. I just can't remember what. 
somebody told me, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, he was the I'm little sorry boy. to interrupt. I'm very sorry. sorry to interrupt, but we're kind of coming to the end of our, our podcast here, and there's just a few things we need to cover. But thanks for calling, Monica. We appreciate it. See, I'm rambling thanks again. For... I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. The little okay. boy, he was from the wishing well who punched Dean and had the superpowers. Oh, I remember. Right. Oh, Oh, you're talking about Todd. He was in an yeah. earlier episode this season. Yeah, he yeah. was the one with the shotgun that was had cast in the shed. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was it. Yeah, Amara was weird, and I don't, I don't like that attraction thing they got going between them. That was weird. Anyways, well, you're I like meant to be those, uncomfortable, but, yeah. but um, thank you so much. Thanks for calling. <laughs> oh, and the bald guy was Steve Wilco. You were trying to name. He had a TV show. Oh, okay. Steve Wilco. Anyways, Thank all right. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Sorry for rambling, but I Not haven't talked to y'all in a long time. <laughs> but that's okay. All right. Thanks. You had good stuff thanks, to say. girls. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Monica. All right. Yep. See you later. Bye. See you on Twitter. Bye. Bye. Yes, he's right. He used to be the bodyguard for uh, Jerry. Gary Springer, and then he got his own show. I think he still has that show for crying out loud. Anyway, we have stuff. Okay. So, are we done with Um, these two episodes? Yeah, because we just Um, have a little bit of housekeeping, and that's it. But we have some housekeeping. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking through my notes. I think we talked about everything. Everybody brought everything up. Um, overall, good episodes. Anyway, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Uh, the website's down. Uh, yeah, still down. Sorry, everyone. Our server's being upgraded after many, many years of needing upgraded. So that's why it's really, really behind. That's taking a while. Plus Lisa, um, who is our tech person, she doesn't have um, access to computer on the weekend, so she only gets to work work on it through the week. So it's going to take a bit, but hopefully it'll be back soon. Uh, We will keep you updated on everything, though, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, We're posting everything there for the time being. So. What else do we have house cleaning wise? Um, I know the team Levi auctions are long over. They had the walk. Do we have a final total? I just don't remember. Uh, it was uh, it was over it was over seventy six hundred dollars, I believe, that we donated. Yeah, I just wow. remember the exact amount. Awesome. Seven thousand six hundred and fifty three, uh, I think. Math is hard. <laughs> it is so hard. Yes, it and is. And there is an AKF. I always want to say AFK because you know I come oh, from the AOL. Gen- I, I come from the AOL generation. <laughs> uh, 
but there's a new T-shirt uh, or a new design up, I shouldn't say T-shirt, because feel free to order a hoodie. Uh, yeah. And, oh, the, tomorrow, if you are at Pasadena Con, uh, you can buy your tickets for Coffee with the Costermans, which will be uh, premiering the first episode of the SPN fandom documentary movie. Uh, tickets are available at the wherever creation has set up their little mini box office. They're like 10 bucks, And that'll be at 8.15 in the morning tomorrow. Oh, my. And oh my. If, you purchase, if you purchase the digital episodes through the Indiegogo campaign, um, they're emailing all the codes. You should get it in time so you can watch the episode online as well. Yep. Very exciting. Very exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, there's a new that episode next week, it. but there's not an episode the following week, right? Because that is the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States. Right, right. So, Correct. Mm-hmm. No, nobody likes to have, no one, no one likes to risk losing uh, ratings during a holiday. Right. Um, but more importantly, the week after that, we get an episode on my birthday. So, <laughs> plans that way. I'm sure. Dude, I feel like that's the whole reason they did the shift to Wednesdays in the middle of last season, so that I would get a birthday episode two years <laughs> in a row. Of course, and I appreciate that. About the imaginary friend. It's the imaginary friend one. I, I'm so excited. It's my birthday. Awesome. That, that should be a good one. Directed well, by Richard thought... Spate Jr. Yes, last year I got Hitting 911 by Jenny Klein. That was a This year I get uh, very Just good. My Imagination. Yes, I loved it. And now I get Just Imagination by Jenny Klein and Dick Spate's uh, directorial debut. Well, technically not because he directed the music video for Loud Swing. But. Um, and some commercials. So, he directed some commercials. Yes, and some commercials. So no pressure to Supernatural, Jimmy Klein, and Dick's Fate, but yeah. My birthday's during hiatus. I never get an episode. <laughs> but I never get a con. You get cons. I never get a con on my birthday. Uh, that's true. You might. Is it next year there's one during your birthday? Next year, 2016. It'll be San Francisco so, Con is my birthday weekend. So there you go. You can shut up about that now. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't remember. <laughs> so for my birthday, I they're still on hiatus, so I don't get a new episode. There's no con yeah, that's for my birthday. And one and one year, I got a hurricane for my birthday. So oh, hey, I'm gonna but change see, my birthday. God gave you a present. <laughs> he just really he just no. really overshopped. <laughs> I'm thinking it was more like um, uh, Amara sent me the gift. <laughs> he, he meant to give you a light breeze, but it got a little out of control. Oh, boy, did it. <laughs> it's like it's Florida. She's yeah. hot. Cool her down. Oops. Yeah. Oh, that went a little too far. <laughs> anyway. I tried. Uh, so on that mm. blasphemous note, we're going to depart. <laughs> Yeah, so we dodge lightning bolts. <laughs> uh, story of Somewhere my life. Um, yeah. Um, that's it. Two episodes for the price of one. Thanks, everybody, for listening. 
Thanks, Monica, for calling. Um, anything else? You? Nope. I'm going to go eat a cupcake. All right. Good night. And thank you. Thanks for listening. Good night, everyone. Here come the boys. And there we go. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.